0: Welcome to the Best of Cannabis podcast. My name is Mark, and I've been around cannabis for as long as I've been alive. So I thought this podcast I'd kinda talk a little bit about my personal experiences with cannabis, my love, my hate, the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun, the sketchy, all the experiences that I've had with cannabis over the last four decades. I'm that old. So going all the way back in the 70s, I was born in 71 at the height of the hippie culture. My mom and dad were very enthusiastic hippies and I remember them smoking grass as they called it back then. And my dad would smoke grass and he would have these Ziploc bags or sandwich bags Full of what I would now look at, call it shake. And he would roll these little funny cigarettes. Now looking back, I realize my dad couldn't fucking roll a joint worth shit. But anyways, he would roll these little cigarettes. And I'd ask him, Dad, what are you smoking? How come you roll it? Where Uncle Bob just pulls out a cigarette out of a pack. My dad informed me that these were old-fashioned cigarettes. And he had to roll them himself. So, you know, the the weed or grass or whatever you wanted to call it didn't really concern me back then because, you know, my dad and mom loved to hang around a bunch of drunken idiot hippies. So people, just sort of quickly digress here, I'm going to jump in and say this. I hear a lot of people, especially the older generation, the boomers, bitching about millennials. They need to really fuck off that shit because... These boomers, they were hippies. And hippies were a thousand times worse than any millennial on their worst day. I remember drunken, naked, sex, barefoot, LSD tripping, no showering, flat pancake, booby, no bra wearing, psycho hippies. That was my childhood. And hate to say it. But most hippies were assholes. Irresponsible, dirty, whatever. Some were cool. There were some cool hippies. But most of the ones that I remember were complete assholes. So moving forward here. So we're going in the 70s here. And then in the 80s. Reefer, grass or cannabis, marijuana, whatever you want to call it. I remember, you know, in my high school, I went to two different high schools in Vancouver. I went to this one uh, called Templeton, which was a tough East Van school, and no one smoked grass there. People drank beer, and beer was popular. A lot of the my friends I grew up in the neighborhood were of European... Uh, ancestry. So a lot of them made their own wine, their own hooch. So alcohol was big and there was lots of drunken, you know, after school, you know, festivities and fights and things like that. And Templeton was a pretty tough, violent school. And I guess my mother didn't really like the environment for me and thought it wasn't a suitable environment. So she trucked me off across town and we went, I went, to Kitsilina, which there was lots of grass and lots of weed and lots, and this is actually the first time I got exposed to what I would say is proper weed, like good weed, actual buds, not bags of shake and stem and seeds, the actual like, you know, good quality strains that would probably be, you know, very smokable to this day, like I remember smoking Thai weed, I remember smoking Colombian, I remember smoking hydroponic skunk and, you know, And many of my friends' parents were hippies, but these hippies were more like upper-class hippies. And they had, you know, nice houses, and they were still kind of the hippie culture, and a lot of them grew weed. And many of them uh, were draft dodgers or people who didn't want to return and do a second tour in Vietnam. And... That is really in British Columbia, the kind of the pioneer, the the origins of BC Bud, where it became a major industry, was from a lot of Americans who came up and evaded v- draft. Wanted, you know, gee, well, who wants to get shot up in Vietnam over a stupid war? I wouldn't blame. Them. I would have done the same thing. Anywho, a lot of them moved to Vancouver. A lot of them moved to, um, you know, Sunshine Coast, the Vancouver Island, and many of them, because obviously you're kind of trying to stay underground, you're a draft dodger. So a lot of them started growing weed. They brought their weed growing, uh, enterprises and business Ackerman and, and started the actual, you know, weed growing business, which became BC bud. So Some of my parents, friends and parents were involved in this. And there was an island called Tuxed Island, which lots of weed was grown. I'm one of my friend's parents grew weed on Tuxed Island every summer. And I remember like them having like in their garages, garbage bags filled with shake, which we would make oil or hash oil or. And other byproducts, or even edibles. I remember one time we went camping. We took a whole garbage bag of the shake, and it was like decent. You know, even though it was outdoor grown and stuff like that, it was decent weed. Tuxedo Island actually has a strain called Tuxedo Time Warp, which is it's it's a solid strain. It's a good, it's a good strain. So we took all the shake and stuff, and we would make like edibles camping. I remember we made all these edibles out of, and we got pretty messed up on it. So, anyways, moving forward. So in the 90s, many of these kids that I went to high school with became growers. So these were like second generation growers. So they started doing indoor cultivation with proper lighting, timers, water systems, pesticide control. And really started to make some really decent bud and making a hell of a lot of money. I had quite a few friends that became millionaires. Some ended up in jail. Some got it all taken away. Some became complete failure. Some, you know, the lifestyle caught up with them because they got involved with other stuff. Some moved on and dealing other drugs and they ended up in the criminal justice system. But these are stories for another time. I'm going to kind of concentrate on weed here. So in the 90s, uh, BC Bud became a major industry and and it was going for a lot of money and like at the end of the day bc bud became a major cra- uh, cash crop bc bud became a 7 billion with a b industry and i've known some people that were pretty much on the top of the food chain of the growing like we're talking like costco size growing operations that didn't get busted that were run like military precision and so many people involved. Like, I like sometimes when I would visit some of these facilities, I felt frightened because I was afraid whoever was above, you know, letting these things happen, that's the best way to describe it, I almost didn't want them to know that I knew, that I knew where this place was. And, you know, I've seen some pretty, like, you know, head-scratching stuff, you know, over the years. And uh, I, I'm going to probably do a podcast where I'm going to really break down the 10-year span because I believe for about... They say basically, BC Bud was a, was a really well-oiled machine that ran for two decades. But the last 10 years is when it really peaked by what I call it, like maximum productivity, like really had everything worked out. And they're still going because, you know, black market weed is still doing quite well because legalization has kind of like screwed things up. You know, people don't want to buy weed and weird government containers that have all these warning labels and excessive packaging and the butt is you know, in some cases, are, are not, is not really high quality bud. It doesn't seem that be, it's been dried. It's, it's it, a lot of the cases where I've seen it, the buds really dry. It's just crumbly, and it crumbles almost like into shake. But I digress. So, anyways, BC bud became a major, major, major uh, industry, which fueled a lot of other things, gang violence. It gave organized crime groups tons of money to add to their war chest, to legal defenses, to weaponry, to get involved in other types of criminal activity. But again, I digress. I'm not gonna really get into that on this podcast. I'm gonna talk more about my experiences with, with marijuana. And and so just to recap what I just said, so in the 70s I remember grasping, you know, kind of almost like, you know, kind of crappy shake in sandwich bags probably wasn't very good quality in high school I got exposure to some people parents that had access to actual proper bud I remember one of my friends dad was a major grower he grew outdoors in the warm summer months but in large-scale operation he also made hash he made um, he made a lot of money this guy was a millionaire and for his son's birthday this is in grade 10 he gave his son a ball of hash the size, I would say a little bit bigger than a hard baseball and maybe a little bit smaller than a softball baseball. It was a big, it was like, probably I would say like a smaller uh, grapefruit size ball of hash. And that, that was really good hash. Probably still some of the best hash I've ever had to this day. So I had exposure in high school at Kitsilado High to actually proper good weed. And then after high school, some of my friends that I went to high school with, they became quite involved with the underground illegal growing operations. Like I had one friend that was highly successful. He had 10 different grow ups at the same time. He was very low key. He ran it like a business. And then when he was finally all done after growing for about four or five years, he moved to Florida, reinvented his life there and you know had a, ha- a happy life ever after some people are not so lucky some people are pretty dumb um, I knew a lot of people that got busted for cultivation which was the was the big charge to get in Vancouver or, or in BC uh, sometimes a first-time offense you might you might get a slap on the wrist but as time went on with public outcry they started to crack down harder and harder on grow operations, which which I felt the effects of that too. Um, I grew uh, in small quantities, mostly for personal stuff. And sometimes I would go in and on friends. Like when one of my friends who was a pretty big time grower, how they would do it is that you would invest in how many lights. It- so it could be quite common for someone you know say hey you know what i grow a hundred plants and you know i can make 20 30 50 000 bucks and all my debts taken care of i can get my kids braces i can buy that hockey equipment for my other kid you know have something extra to take my wife on a nice vacation it's a very tempting offer and and that's why at the height of bc bud it was estimated that there was, tw- I th- I th- if this is going off memory, I'm going to research this, but there was, I think out of 100 households, 7 of them, and this is province-wide, if I remember correctly, out of 100 households, 7 of them, 7 out of 100 grew marijuana. And in some neighborhoods, especially I think places like Kelowna, I think it was high as twenty out of hundred had some kind of marijuana grow grow up. Might be small scale, maybe four or five plants, or it could be a hundred plants, and and it was very common. That it it got to the point where realtors that were in on it would actually buy homes or look for homes that were suitable for growers, and they would customize them for. Uh, growers, which which is, you know, I'm going to break all that down in a later podcast. Anyways, so marijuana growing, making money off it was really part of of the culture in B.C. I would say from the 90s going all the way up to about 2010-ish, Around about 2010, there was a start become a major crackdown because there were so many retards that were getting involved that were making these electrical nightmares and booby traps and, you know, houses catching on fire where neighborhood watches almost became overly zealous to a paranoia almost crept in about people growing weed. And and I remember renting a uh, suite in a duplex and. I made the god error of smoking a joint once. I didn't at that time I didn't smoke weed a lot. I, I it was like occasionally I smoked one joint. The bitch upstairs gets on the phone to the landlord. The next day the landlord's calling me saying, We want to inspect your place, we smelt marijuana, we want to do an inspection. I'm like, Go fucking ahead. I don't have anything. You know, so one joint smoking one joint caused all that bullshit. So it became a very different environment. The weed was still going. People were still making money. But there was almost like this black and white. You know, there was a the people that were into it, growing, making money. And then there was people that weren't that were almost like became almost paranoid. And, you know, these, these neighborhood watches and you would get these, you know, leaflets under your door, how oh, to spot a grow up and blah, blah, blah. And, and one of the contentious issues in Vancouver is the price of housing. And everybody who owns a house or a condo in Vancouver thinks of themselves as some kind of real estate baron because if they're a property owner, all of a sudden their major only concern in life is what their property value is worth. And God forbid, if someone's growing some plants down the street, it might affect their property value and blah, 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 right? So that's kind of what created this atmosphere of paranoia. So now back to the bud So, marijuana became almost like a different kind of animal, you know, from, like I'd say, from the 80s. You know, there was good weed in the 80s, like I said. There was decent weed, but most of that weed was imported. And then in the summer months, there'd be abundance because people would grow uh, outdoors, you know, up in the interior province, on the island, Tuxedo Island especially, Uh, pender island vancouver island and 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 but the good weed the really good weed all got shipped to the states and i had a friend of mine who i won't name and i'm still friends with him he's a cool guy and he is heavily involved in the marijuana on the large scale and he gave me a lot of insight of of the industry and he said that this is probably now i'm jumping ahead about 2000 And there was a lot of houses. They're almost like brokerage houses but they looked like a normal house. They didn't grow weed, but you'd go to these houses and you'd bring your weed there. There'd be a guy there. He would look at the weed. He would grade it. He would weigh it, right? And he'd pay you cash on the spot. Then that weed, that weed would be shipped to the States where it'd get the premium for. So the funny thing about this whole scenario is that they would be like, these real dr- droughts where there wouldn't be any decent weed and you, and then you would be used to smoking some high-quality weed and then you'd be desperate and you would buy something and you end up getting some crap, right? So that, that was quite common, I say, around the 90s and 2000s. So speaking to my personal experience, so let's say this. I had an ounce of something decent, which I enjoyed. It was good weed. I'd run out of it call up the dealer or whoever I was getting it from say hey you got any more of that blah 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 sorry I'm out so I'd call someone else oh they're out then I'd call someone out they're out and then I'd find someone or god forbid go to the canby, so there was this pub you know the canby pub where you could buy weed right out of the pub that was like your kind of the last resort and it was okay weed it was like Not bad enough to complain about, but you weren't. It wasn't like you were thrilled. You know, you weren't. You weren't going to impress anybody at a party pulling that shit out. But hey, it is what it is, right? But then sometimes I would get something that would really like give me quite a negative effect. I'd you know make you feel extremely paranoid, anxiety, and 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 have quite a bad experience from it. So you know, I'd take a long break from it. So this has kind of been my history. With weed for most of my life as i would have these kind of like i would almost like phases where i'd smoke quite a bit of it get something bad have a really bad experience sometimes it was like edibles or something sometimes you get like lace shit you know you get asshole drug dealers that you know spray it and put stuff in it maybe not properly like um like rinse it, like you know do like a flush before they crop it you know it's full of fertilizers and pesticides and one of the big issues that a lot of the people that I knew that grew was spider mites mites are a big pain in the ass and many of the growers I knew would use stuff like sulfur some would use pesticides some more unscrupulous stuff would spray it with almost anything I've heard about you know asshole dealers spraying their shit with Windex I don't know if that's just an urban legend or not but apparently pneumonia in it gives it a kick So there is times where you would get something, maybe at a party, maybe, maybe from, you know, an asshole dealer and you'd have a quite a negative effect from it. So you just blame the weed I'm like, oh, I can't, I need a break from this shit. Right now, moving forward. And, and now I'm at the stage where I'm more concerning and, you know, have a deeper understanding of cannabis and strains and all that stuff is that. It, it was probably a very bad batch of weed, not necessarily the cannabis itself that was causing these issues. So anyways, one, one of the um, major issues that that I hate, and I'm going to talk about what I hate about cannabis. Cannabis is a, is a very unique drug in, in one aspect where like alcohol or like cocaine or ecstasy, even meth, Adderall, those types of drugs really amp up your dopamine. So you get a very euphoric feeling off those drugs. So you could be having the worst day possible. You go out and drink a bunch of booze or do those other drugs that I mentioned, and you can feel quite good, meaning that you can forget about what you're thinking about, or weed does the opposite, You're not trying to think about something all day and you smoke a ton of weed and all of a sudden, all that shit that you packed away in your subconscious or the back of your head or in that box that you don't want to open, think about, it all comes flooding out. Even though I hate that, I learned to love it because over the last year or so, I've been smoking quite a bit of weed. I'm not smoking as much as I was, say, you know, maybe like six months ago, but last year, I probably tried over about 150 different strains which I plan to review and break down and blah 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 however having better consistent sources of weed where I didn't have that in the past yes i had good access to weed but as i said the really good the really really good stuff mo- most of the cases got got mailed or smuggled or whatever you want to say to the United States, where I would get up to three thousand uh, dollars per pound U.S., so you know, again, you got what you got, and the effects. You got what you got, and the effects were all over the place, and 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 that's what I didn't like about weed for most of my life, where. You know, you name the drug, like, okay, you go out for beers, you have six beers, you act this way, you have eight beers, you act a certain way, you have 10, 12, 13. You can be pretty consistent of how much you consume the effects you're going to get. If I drink a bottle of Jack Daniels, yeah, you know, I know it's going to happen. That's why I don't drink a bottle of Jack Daniels. But hey, if I have a scotch or a glass of wine, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be cool. Where sometimes a joint, especially you don't know what strain it is, what's in it who who grew it, where it came from, you don't know what you're getting and it, and the effects can be extremely you know all over the place. You can be feeling great i I have been to you know parties where I was having the best time in my life. Someone pulls out a joint next thing you know, I'm in the corner paranoid and want to leave the party, don't want to talk to anyone. I'm overanalyzing anything and I'm breaking down some argument I had with my girlfriend the night before and pissed off and reliving it, right? Sometimes that's not, marijuana for me is not the most social engaging uh, substance. So what I've learned though, you know, again, focusing that it's a proper strain, it's not messed with, it's not laced. It was properly grown when I have those experiences. And I had one recently. Like, I'll actually talk about uh, an, a situation that I had recently. So over the Christmas holidays that just passed, you know, Christmas time and my family is pretty chaotic. I have three kids, all have their same birthday in the same week, which, you know, that in itself is pretty anxiety inducing with Christmas. And I don't know, Christmas seems to really ratchet up the anxiety and stress and, you know, poor behavior in everyone in my family. (laughs) So yeah, Christmas is, is tough, right? But we got through it. Everyone had a good time. The birthdays were all good. Everyone was happy. And I took a break. I didn't really smoke any weed during the during the Christmas holiday. I think Christmas Day, I smoked a little bit. But Pretty much over the Christmas holidays, I didn't smoke anything. And about a week ago, so I'm, I was on a kind of a tolerance break. My wife bought some new strain I never had. I think it was called Alpha Dog, something like that. Really stinky bud. And I was pretty stressed out. And without thinking, I packed a bowl, smoked a bowl, didn't really feel it because I didn't realize it was a long, kind of a slower creeper kind of weed. And then I decided to roll a blunt, a big fat blunt. So I was halfway smoking the blunt, and it was a pretty big blunt. And I've been on a tolerance break. So I don't know the combination of the tobacco and the weed and the anxiety I all unpacked and all the stress of the Christmas holiday, it hit like a ton of bricks. Not in a good way. Like really like overwhelming, felt very dizzy, very disorienting, you know, really like it felt like a punch in the head. And and I was holding my phone and I was like outside on my back balcony porch and I was holding my phone. I kind of fiddled around with it. And I sat down and I didn't realize I my thumb pressed on some buttons and I probably Sent some text, some pictures. I wish I have it sent. I, should, I don't even know why I even had those in my phone, but whatever. And, and it was just a very overwhelming, disorienting experience, a kind of experience from cannabis that I would get from time to time that I really don't like. I, 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 I'm, I'm a, I like, I, I, by nature, I, I like to be a pretty grounded person. And the thing about cannabis, it can make you feel very ungrounded and especially in large doses, especially in edibles. I've had some nightmarish edible uh, situations. I think I posted about it. I'll talk about it in another podcast where I don't do edibles anymore because whatever my biochemistry, I, I, it seems like there's two gears. It's or three gears. I get don't feel a thing, eat more, don't feel nothing. And then two, three hours later, you know, I, I, I'm, I, it's like the worst acid trip of my life. And then the third phase, and then third phase is I'm a complete invalid. Like it just completely shuts me down, like completely, like, like no other drug. So I don't enjoy edibles at all. However, like I said, sometimes when I have these bad experiences with cannabis, they have allowed me to analyze things that I've been suppressing and allow me to work on stuff. So again, what I hate about it is what I love about it. But unfortunately, sometimes these feelings of like being feeling extremely overwhelmed come at a time where you don't really want to feel overwhelmed. So they come at sometimes at the worst times. But after the effects were off, I tend to feel better and I felt like I kind of worked some stuff out. So, you know... I've been harping on some of the negative aspects of cannabis. So, one of the things that I like about cannabis is first of all, when you're sick, nothing cures nausea better than marijuana. Like, I, over the last winter, I got pretty sick a few times and I got so sick. And if it wasn't for cannabis, It just made it night and day where I was able to eat, get my appetite back, and I truly believe it helped me recover faster. I actually enjoy cannabis, believe it or not, for working out. I find it really amazing for yoga, stretching. I love it for cardio. I feel like it can really get deep into myself and push myself because I'm very uh, very focused inward and I'm trying to push myself even though I'm feeling tired or exhausted. I, I, I like it for that. Uh, I don't think I would use cannabis for heavy weightlifting, but I, I love it for cardio, uh, stretching, and yoga. I love it for creativity, absolutely. I, I feel like it's helped me push myself creatively, and, and it allows me to see things from uh, different angles and, and that aspect. Over the last year, I've probably used the most amount of care, uh, cannabis in my life. I don't think I've ever smoked over one hundred and fifty strains in twelve months and you know, average buying an ounce at a time. so it was quite a considerable amount of weed. and it was kind of like a a, a a turning point in my life after fifteen years of corporate sales and working in startups and had a lot of stress and turmoil in my life. and I needed kind of a new focus, a new change in my life. so, the last year, cannabis has helped me therapeutically kind of self-analyze myself and kind of refocus my energies into new creative directions, which I'm very happy about. And, and I feel that without the cannabis, I'd probably not be as uh, where I am today as far as my mental health, my well-being, and, and what I want out of life. So I, I've used cannabis as a, to, as a therapeutic tool of a way of self analyzing, psychotherapy, and examining myself, my who am I, and 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 creativity for creativity, and so yeah. Um, the the other issues. So the other issues I have with cannabis too, though, is with legalization. I thought it would be a little bit more affordable. You know, like I see this stupid bullshit of like, you know, some of these somewhere in Vancouver were a $70 for a gram. Like, you know, go fuck yourself. No wonder the black market is still not being really that affected. And and the sad thing too is this. Okay, so let's back up a bit here. And I hope I'm not jumping around too much. But I, I really want this podcast to really be you know, not overly scripted. And, you know, I want, I want it to be me talking to you, right? Say we're somewhere in a bar or somewhere, maybe not a bar, but you know what I mean? Smoking a joint, having this conversation, right? You're telling me what you like about cannabis. I'm going to tell you all my experiences, right? That's how I want this to feel like. Anyways, I digress. About three, four years, maybe even five years, all these dispensaries started opening up in Vancouver. I was quite surprised because, okay, going back to early 2000s, I remember I was seeing this girl. She was a university student. It's about 10 years ago. No, no, maybe longer. It was about 15 years ago, right? I remember this girl I was dating off and on, and I asked her, hey... This girl I was dating and I asked her hey all my people are dry can you get any weed she goes oh what are you talking about you should go down a commercial drive and go to the decline decline I think it was called decline and it was the first storefront in Vancouver that was selling weed so I'm like what the f a place that's selling weed you know I thought that was amazing and sure enough With my luck, I turn on the news, and guess what? Police raid the decline and shut it down before I even had a chance to go in there. Of course, on the news, I see a a lineup down the block of people buying weed. So I was totally pissed off that I missed out on it. But then there was this place in Gastown that was super cool. A friend of mine introduced me to it, and it was like in this old building. If you don't know Vancouver very much, Gastown is like the heart of the old city. used to be the old downtown, a lot of the brick. A lot of old brick buildings, brick roads, and it was like the original uh, part of Vancouver. So, this place was really cool because you had a buzzer, you had a code, and then you'd go up on like the third floor and it was a really nice lounge, leather couches, big screen TV, grinders, trays, free rollies, and you'd go to the counter and they'd have all the strains laid out and you'd pick your strain and i said this is such a nice civilized way of buying weed than meeting some sketchy dirt bag in an alley or there was this other place i won't get too much into it but you'd go into there was this other place anyone knows they call say the black door say the black door it was it used to be above um the cannabis culture and the Amsterdam cafe you go upstairs and it was like these pretty like intimidating dudes that would have this line on the floor and tape you had to stand on the line you had to state how much weed they want and you usually got sworn at and told to put your fucking weed away and you know it, was, it wasn't a fun way to buy weed you know thinking that you know, some guy was going to crack your skull or split your wig open if you, didn't, you know, if you didn't come correct to buy your weed. And, you know, that would be kind of the last resort. I hated going to that place because, I don't know, a little bit too intense. So this place was cool. It was like, you know, and I said, this is the way to buy weed, man. You know, like, again, weed should, should have always been regulated like tobacco was. You know, wouldn't have all the problems today if it was like that from the very beginning. So, anyways, there was this place going for a while and that got shut down. But then around about five years ago, all these meta first it was under the medical marijuana. They'd have a doctor and they would like you'd fill out a form and and you'd have some, oh, I have back pain or insomnia. Like it was pretty, like, pretty easy to get a medical license. Sometimes They'd have someone on staff, you'd phone, blah, 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 right? So there was all these medical marijuana places growing. And then it kind of got even looser where it's sort of like they just started selling weed. This is going back two, three years ago. And there was so many places like there was you go down on Hastings Street in Vancouver. There was a whole bunch On Granville Street. There was a couple, um, you know, there, there was probably about 20 storefronts around in the Vancouver core from like if you went to Commercial Drive or, you know, Granville, Hastings, uh, Kingsway and and I got the impression, oh, there' gonna the government was allowing it. These people were paying their taxes. they were you know they were cooperating with the city. they were, you know, they weren't allowed kids in they you know most most of these places were doing a pretty solid job. They weren't you know and they they were classy, you go in. there were a lot of them were like very like going into a spa. And, and in my opinion, this was like the golden age of cannabis. Uh, commerce in Vancouver it was civilized it was well regulated it was self-regulated and but I had this sinking sick feeling that just because I've been around you know I've seen a lot of shit that these poor business owners that are doing everything by the book, thinking once legalization comes, they would be granted a license. Well, that h- hasn't been the case. And I'm going to go into that in another podcast, right? So a lot of these people got set up to fail. I almost felt like a lot of these people were kind of like the test market. So now the government approved people get to copy the model because these people are almost like the cannon fodder for a new industry, right? So weed, in my opinion... You know, from a retail point of view, you know, it has gotten pretty expensive. You know, a decent strain is about $200 an ounce right now. And someone like myself, who now it's not the case, but there was a time, you know, even like a few months ago, where I I would burn through an ounce in three or four days. And, you know, especially if my wife's smoking it too. So, God... I remember going through an ounce in a weekend and it's just at that price. It's just, you know, it's just not, you know, sustainable. Like and, and, and at the end of the day, honestly, sometimes I'd rather spend four or five hundred bucks on something else than on weed, which leads me to the next point is growing it. So now because weed has not really come down in price. The black market is still pretty robust. And I really don't want to buy black market weed. You know, one thing about buying it at a dispensary, you can hopefully, I'm not talking like the ones that sell it in a gross government package, but there's still some that still package weed just like in a regular, you know, smell-proof bag. And, you know, it's decent weed. I still have, a, and I have a a, a local uh, that that deliver, they're called Bud Dash or whatever, and Out in Langley or there, they grow solid weed. Not being paid or anything from the endorsement, but yeah, Bud Dash. Go look them up on Weed Maps. Deliver right to your door. Solid weed. Love their strains. Never got a bad batch of anything. I also go to the Herb Co. Uh, They had a few locations. They seem to have some fuckery with the government. They have a a location at the Main Street Skytrain always got good weed they probably in my opinion from what i've seen they probably have the best prices because they have hundred dollar 150 ounce specials so these are their ounce specials are are pretty good price but that being said you know i don't want to go back to you know buying weed from you know black market and and you know, I don't always want to be spending $150, $200 a couple times a week, right? Even though I'm not smoking that much. Or even once a week, right? I'm just, I don't know. I have other things. I have kids and stuff. I, I just don't want to spend as much money on weed than I did last year. So I decided that I'm going to get into the growing. Because in BC, you're allowed to grow four adult plants. So I am going to get into the home growing control the soil organic know that it's not sprayed to death with pesticides i know it's going to be flushed properly it's not going to have residue of pesticides and sulfur i just call me crazy you know i know a lot of people use sulfur like in my past for spider mites and stuff don't think smoking sulfur is good for you just call me crazy right and and, and then you know can you guarantee that it all gets out of the out of a tightly Hack bud really i don't think so but anyways i digress so i am gonna decide i'm gonna grow my own bud grow my own stone and and that's kind of the stuff i'm going to be getting into in the other podcast so in the other podcast i hope this wasn't too rambling wrangling i hope they got to get to know me a little bit my kind of like Experiences with weed. I'm going to get more into crazy weed stories and edible nightmares I've had. I remember I ha- I'll tell you one quick one uh, before the podcast wraps up. So, there's a place in Vancouver, if you're not from here, it's called Rec Beach. Now, Rec Beach used to be a paradise, it's not so much anymore. They kind of effed it all up. But back in the day, you know, Rec Beach was a lot of fun. It's a nude beach. Not everyone who's nude there is super attractive, but I didn't go down there to gawk and look. You go, I went there because it had a sense of freedom. You could buy beer, weed at the beach, and it's a beautiful beach. It's it's off uh, around where UBC is, the University of British Columbia. It's uh, you have to go through the university campus and you go down these these stairs, all these stairs. And then you get to this this really kind of very rustic beach with logs and it's kind of rocky. It's a gorgeous beach. It's one of my favorite beaches I've ever been to in the world. And there's a real subculture there. A bit of a back in the day, it was a very hippie subculture. And I don't know I haven't really been. I haven't been in the last few summers because it just kind of depresses me what it's turned into. But I digress. So Rec Beach was a, you go, you buy weed, you could get mushrooms, you could buy booze and beer, and it was awesome, absolutely awesome. So one time I went to Rec Beach, the night before, I watched this movie on Charlie Manson, this will be important later in the story, so I watched this movie about Charlie Manson, Halter Skelter. And I guess I had that in my subconscious. And I went down to Rec Beach. And I remember being pretty dehydrated. It was a very hot day. I was suntanning. I used to suntan a lot. And I was suntanning all day at Rec Beach. And someone sold me a marijuana brownie. And I ate it. Didn't think much of it. Took a nap. And when I woke up, holy shit. All I can remember was a movie Helter Skelter and there was all these hippies down at Rec Beach having a drum circle and this brownie just kicked and I felt this sense of panic and paranoia and all I can think about was this crazy Helter Skelter Charlie Manson movie and I called my girlfriend up in a panic saying you gotta get me I'm effed up on weed brownies I don't wanna I need help up the stairs, blah blah blocks. Blah, there's these steep ass stairs. She comes and gets me. I'm so effed up. We she takes me to Sev 11 we get a uh, Gatorade, but I'm sitting in the car while she woes in and gets Gatorade, and all she did, she did she all she pulls up into a parking lot, she put the E brake on, but she kept the car running. And she was on like, maybe we're talking like a 10-degree 10 10 incline, like a slight incline. The whole time, I'm shaking in fear and paranoia that this e-brake will fail. And because the e-brake will fail, that means that the car gas pedal will somehow be, be accelerated by itself. And I'm going to go speeding backwards into traffic. I really thought this was a true fear of mine. And, and then I thought that my girlfriend was evil And she did it on purpose to F with me because she knew how scared I was. So I just had this terrifying and then, and she got me this Gatorade and I'm just totally this mess. We go back home. I'm laying down and, and you end up sleeping it off. And it was just like four hours of terror. Right. So, yeah, I don't know what about edibles in me, but I just seem to have horrible reactions to them. But, I was actually watching a YouTube video and it was something interesting about this guy who reviews a lot of psychedelics. I just can't remember his YouTube channel off the top of my head. I would tell you if I could think of it, but I just can't at this moment. And he was talking about that some people who've done a lot of psychedelics, which I kind of done in the past. I've done a lot of mushrooms. I've done a lot of LSD. And back in the 90s, which was the rave era, I did a lot of MDMA. And sometimes there's a thought. I'm not sure if there's any research on this, but some people, when who've done a lot of more psychedelic drugs, their brains are wired in a certain way that high dosages of cannabis, marijuana, especially edible functions, it almost triggers almost like what they call like um, like a flashback reaction, like this this guy in the video. I wish I could remember his name, but I just can't. He was talking about when he does mar when he smokes marijuana and kind of higher, qu- qu- he gets almost like those geo-metric geogra- geo, geo, uh, uh, patterns, which you see on psychedelics, where you can get that off marijuana, which he didn't before. So there's kind of like this theory that that sometimes uh, marijuana can trigger kind of experiences that you've had with with kind of more psychedelic drugs so anyways that's something worth mentioning right so anyways uh with this podcast i want to talk more about the the health benefits of marijuana growing your for yourself and and also some of the considerations because you know as like i said four decades being around marijuana right in low dosages it's pretty mild and again don't drink anymore. Don't do any other types of drugs. Cannabis does not hold a candle to any other more potent drugs like alcohol. Some of the worst things I've ever done in my life. were experiences, were sickness, worth hangovers, alcohol. You know, seeing people ruin their lives, alcohol. Uh, I've seen people addicted to very hard drugs and opiates and things like of, of that nature. And... And in my opinion, I really strongly believe that cannabis can help you wean off some very powerful drugs. However, people with kind of underlining mental health issues. You know, I believe that if you people who who have potential for like mental illnesses like schizophrenia, bipolar, chemical imbalances, should be careful with potent strains of marijuana and you should should really decide that you know the pros and cons of marijuana and like everything you know I don't think it's good to smoke heavy quantities of marijuana each day that being said last year I probably smoked the most marijuana combined than my probably my whole life combined meaning that I really smoked quite a lot. Cause I, I really, I don't know, it was just kind of maybe more of an experiment. I was using it for very specific reasons. Like I said, for therapeutic reasons, I've got, I had some pretty serious health issues. And I truly believe that without the cannabis, I would have suffered a lot more. However, again, there are times where, you know, I'm, I'm prone to anxiety. Sometimes I have depression issues. And, and sometimes marijuana doesn't hit me in a good way. And it's time, it's, it's good to take a break from it. And not only that, is that, you know, speaking uh, for myself, is that I get a really high tolerance to marijuana. Like I, I, you know, almost like, you know, if I buy an ounce, you know, so so like the most potent strain, the first joint gets me blasted. By the end of that bag, I'm rolling three or four joints and smoking them within an hour. So I get a I get a pretty high tolerance, and what I find when I'm using really heavy amounts of marijuana, like in, in in quite excessive amounts, I don't enjoy it as much. I don't I'm getting more of the side effects. I'm feeling more drowsy. I'm feeling more just kind of disoriented, and and I don't feel like I'm getting more of the fun aspects of it. When I take a break, it's nice to kind of smoke that first joint sometimes and and really experience some more of the positive, the creativity, the, you know, the brainstorming, the visualization uh, aspects of weed. Right. So, again, you have to decide these things for yourself and 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 but respect it because, you know, weed, it can be quite powerful and it can kick you in the butt when you least expect it and and. Um, But yeah, no, but I think the thing that I least like about marijuana is probably the, it causes me some pretty severe social anxiety sometimes. Like, you know, like again, I've said, I've been to some pretty fancy parties and have them ruined because I snuck outside for a joint and I don't want to go back in, right? So anyways, I'm going to leave this for now. I wanted to just kind of make a first podcast. I'm going to be trying to do this as regular as much as possible. And, you know, I... I plan to grow my own, because I just want want to be in control. It just makes more sense economically. And um, um, I really want to explore, you know, like dig into the actual research of the health aspects of it. You know, the CBD is very popular now. You know, 10 years ago, you never even heard of CBD, but CBD is all the rave. And, And I think there's some great stuff. Uh, with CBD, like for all kinds of health issues and stuff. So definitely want to really explore into that. Um, I'm going to break down some of my favorite strains uh, that I've used over the last year and strains that I would recommend for specific purposes. So like if you have anxiety, you know, maybe you want something like strawberry cough. It's very mild. It's good for newbies. and, And it's probably one of the best strains for actual anxiety. However, if you have a lot of anxiety, you might want to stay away from skunks. And, you know, that's just me, man. If I skunks and anxiety can trigger some pretty bad anxiety attacks for me. And it has in the past, right? If I'm really sick and, and, and feeling pukey and nauseous. I love the Kush strains, I love the Afghan Kush, I love all the heavy stony uh, 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 indica strains that help with nausea, relax you, maybe uh, help you build your appetite back, that has helped me quite a bit, and and if you want something more visual and more um, uh, energetic, I like like pineapple express you know that one i love for socializing that one would be fun to you know for you know interacting with people and stuff like that right so i'm going to get into all that so again thank you for listening this is the best the cannabis podcast and um i really appreciate your interest and i look forward to putting out these podcasts real soon thank you have an awesome day.